0: All right, lock in. We got a lot to talk about. The Detroit Tigers sweep the Chicago White Sox on the road over the weekend. We have a Casey Mize update. We have Riley Green, unfortunately, getting injured in his replacement. We have Miggy moments. We have Andre Lipsius moments. We have uh, Torgelson going on a heater over the weekend. We have great starting pitching performances. We have another 40-man roster spot open. We got a lot to talk about, so let's cover it all. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers your daily Detroit Tigers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, September 4th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. Be sure to check out the Tigers' home radio broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, anytime, anywhere, from the app, you can be listening to the Tigers Home Radio Broadcast. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Hope everyone is having a safe and fun holiday, enjoying the uh, the nice weather that we're supposed to be getting. Um, so the Tigers are going to be enjoying the nice weather, hopefully. Uh, they do not play a game today on the 4th, so we don't have a preview or anything. We just got a whole episode to talk about the weekend that was, and it was a weekend that was. It was a very, very eventful weekend for your Detroit Tigers on and off the field Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with the sweep honestly I mean this was obviously the the biggest well Bradley Green getting hurt probably the biggest story of the weekend but um, sweeping a interdivision rival no matter how big of a spiral the organization is currently going down I am always going to take and uh, this team has already clinched season series victories against three of the four teams in this division and or other four teams in this division and are now in a position where they play the Chicago White Sox this upcoming weekend at home for another three-game set and really have a chance to, like, make their record against the AL Central unbelievably good this season. And it's a historically bad division and ha-ha-ha, all fine and dandy. That's absolutely true. But it, it, it could have been any other team in this division that beat up on itself. And uh, and and this year it looks like it's going to be the Tigers. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see how they finish the year. Uh, it would be pretty cool uh, if they went out and, and had a really good performance this weekend at home. The problem is, is at home and the Tigers now are 11 games under 500 on the season and 11 games under 500 at home. For all the mathematicians out there, after this weekend. They are now exactly a 500 team on the road. They are 34 and 34. That is unreal. Uh, it's weird. It's, I'm not going to use the word confusing, but it's odd. I can't imagine there are too many teams in the history of baseball that are 500 on the road and finish the season 10 games or worse under 500. they uh, just like on the year. I can't imagine that's a laundry list. Laundry list, grocery list, same thing. Can't imagine it's a long list. And like, if you watch every game, you're like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. This team is weird. That just comes, you know, with the growing pains of this season. Like there's just weird intricacies that happen when you're a team that's kind of in transition and trying to break through and, and get over the hump like that. But the one thing that I think is objective, at least in all of this, is that they, again, objectively... Took a step forward from last season. Last season was abysmal. I don't care if you think that this year is a complete failure. If you think Scott Harris sucks. If you think AJ Hinch sucks. If you think this team is awful and way like just there's, you know, no hope. Everybody's terrible. Objectively, better than last year. And that's at least something. We'll see how they do the last month of the season. We'll see what their final record is. Sits at, but um, unfortunately, in the last month of the season, for uh, the people that really want to end on a high note, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. I'm certainly one of those people, I think that's important. Uh, Riley Green will not be a part of the last month of the Tiger season, they're going to have to do well in September without their most valuable offensive asset. Uh, see the best pure hitter? I think Kerry Carpenter probably owns the title of best pure hitter on the tigers this year, but just in terms of most valuable offensive asset that that's Riley green. And unfortunately he made a fantastic diving play, by the way, Uh, I don't want that to get lost in this injury like that, that play was, was miraculous. That was beautiful. It had a 22% catch probability, I believe. And he just laid out. And uh, unfortunately hurt his arm, elbow shoulder. I don't remember I'm not a doctor um, but uh, but unfortunately he will get put in the 10 day IL. Now there's two conversations. One is about the corresponding move, which we'll talk about in a second, but the first conversation is how long is he out? Again, not a doctor, but I would be surprised if he played baseball again this year. Um, I, I just he's on the 10 day. there's a chance there, there's certainly a chance that he's just there for 10 days. It's not that serious. And he comes back and they play him but like they're going to be super conservative with it they're not going to push him back this team's not playing for anything they don't need riley green to get at bats like for the last two weeks of the season or whatever it'll end up being when uh when he's off the il and like if he's going to be on there twice if he's not going to be ready in 10 days then he's certainly like what well, you're going to bring him back to the last two series of the season uh, i think there's a i'm not sure it's the most likely but i think that I don't know. In my brain, there's a very real chance that he has played his last game for the Tigers this calendar year, which sucks. Again, argument that he's your most valuable non-pitcher. I mean, there's an argument he's most valuable player down the road, right, Uh, in this organization. So, uh, unfortunate, it sucks. I'm not super heartbroken just because my priority is, and everybody's priority, should be Riley Green being healthy in the spring. And if this happened in July and we got Riley Green out for the year news in in June, uh, I'd be crying. I'd be bawling my eyes out. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's, you know, we have less than four weeks left in the season. Uh, So whatever they need to do to ensure that he's going to be fully healthy going into next spring, that's what I'm in favor for, even if it is at the expense of him playing ball the rest of the season. Now, the corresponding move is where this gets kind of a little more I don't know, argumentative, I guess. Tyler Nevin was the corresponding move for Riley Green getting put on the IL. Now, I put it out there. I posted about it this weekend. I do not understand this whatsoever. I I really don't. This is a month for development. And I, I would give my left foot and my right hand to be as good at the game of baseball As Tyler Nevin is okay he is living most of uh, if you're a listener to this show I'm assuming at one point you had a childhood dream of being a major league baseball player he's living out most of our childhood dreams he's certainly living out mine okay Uh, but not everyone is Barry Bonds like not there's there's differential in talent level at the major league level and some People are are four A players, and that's okay. That's very needed across the organizations. There is no negative connotation linked to that. But you, you can't have an entire team of four A players and be a competitive ball club. And I, I when I put out there, and I was like, why is if anyone has any legitimate reason as to why Tyler Nevin is the answer. To Riley Green getting put on the IL. I would love to hear it. I, I would love to be enlightened on this because I do not get it at all. And uh, I only really got two like pushbacks, and I don't agree that either of them are like legitimate enough to make me change my mind. So we will talk about those right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Neutrafall. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate either. You can get ahead of the thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. It's clinically proven to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. The hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides constant reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify, identify causes of your thinning hair on Nutrafol, and they will give you a personalized plan for better hair health and whole body wellness. And it works. The clinical study has shown that 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months of taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. So take the first step in visible, visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off of your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code MLB. That's n u lcom slash men and enter promo code MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Um, let's get right back into it. Okay, we got a lot to talk about. So oh, we're talking about Tyler Nevin um, and the the decision to bring him up. Uh, the the two pushbacks I got, um, and most people agreed with me, I will say, but the, but the two pushbacks I got was one is that he's raking in Toledo. I, I don't deny that. Uh, he has absolutely been raking in Toledo. Uh, my my point is, is that last season, okay, for the Baltimore Orioles, Tyler Nevin had an OPS in AAA of eight over 860, okay, just a hair over 860. That's really good. Then he was called up to the majors, and not a tiny sample size, had a 560 OPS. This season, he has been crushing the ball in Toledo. His OPS in the majors is sub 400 going into the game on Sunday. I, again, I, I don't mean this in any negative connotation or in disrespectful way, but some players are 4A players. That's just your role. And every organization has them and needs them and needs them. That is the word. Every organization needs them. for, for they, are, they are vital parts of organizations. But th- that doesn't mean we should prioritize Tyler Nevin at-bats in September over a player who might actually be a long-term piece to this team. Tyler Nevin's not going to be on the major league roster come spring on opening day, and he might not even be on the 40-man roster. He might be a casualty of the winter. So, like, the, the whole we're going to earmark at-bats for young players thing, this is a just straight-up slap in the face to that. I don't believe you anymore. You chose Tyler Nevin over Justin Henry Malloy and Colt Keith. I don't believe you. Okay, Wendell Perez. Haven't heard an injury update. There was some rumors that he got pulled from that game because he hurt uh, his leg. I haven't heard like a like a you know overall organizational uh, report on that. But if he's healthy, he's in that conversation too. Don't believe you. The earmarking at bats thing. Okay. The other one was that oh well he's on the forty man. That means nothing to me. And, like, I, I, I promise, I understand that they need to be on the 40 to make the major league roster. We've been talking about the intricacies of roster movement the for two and a half years on this show with me as the host, okay? Like, I promise. I, I understand that he, you can only pick people on the 40-man. My point is that you could make 40-man roster space with the snap of a finger. There, there is no, like, oh, well, the 40-man's full. Like, all 40 of these guys are... Going to be on the in. in – we're going to go through so much turnover. And this is prepping for for the winter, but, like, w- <laughs> I, easily 10 players on the 40-man are going to get axed in the offseason, probably closer to 15, and maybe even a repeat of last year's, like, 20. That <laughs> – most of the players, most of the players on the 40-man roster are not long-term pieces to this, this machine that we're trying to build here. So the, the, the he's not on the 40-man. I, I understand that that Nevin's the one on the 40. You could make space for both of them in a heartbeat and no one would lose sleep about it at all. Nonetheless, one of them. And I know I'm right. I know I'm right, because at the end of the show, we'll talk about the fact that they literally have 39 players on their 40-man roster now and got rid of someone who DFA'd and put on waivers uh, two players. One cleared, and the other one didn't, and he was just picked up five days ago. There are plenty of expendable names on this list. The Tyler Nevin thing is preposterous to me. I hope he has a 2,000 OPS it literally looks like Barry Bonds reincarnated from the right side of the plate the rest of the year, okay? We'll root for him forever. He played for the Tigers organization. But uh, the earmarking at-bats for Tyler Nevin over other players makes absolutely negative sense to me. And I still haven't heard like a, a legitimate thing that makes sense in my brain, at least. Maybe it makes sense to you. That's fine. We can have different differing opinions. But I haven't heard an argument that that has clicked in my brain yet. Let's get to the actual games here. Uh, actually, that's a lie. Let's get to Casey Mize really quick. He had, uh, at the end of last week, I guess, uh, again, not a doctor. I've listened to that like five times this episode. Um, but he had a uh, live bullpen session at the end of last week, uh, either Thursday or Friday. I don't remember the exact day. And he got it stopped short for uh, arm fatigue, is what they listed it as. A lot of people really freaked out about this. I... Am not. Uh, I uh, again. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't in the medical like field. I, I don't. I don't know <laughs> uh, if that's like a huge deal or not. Maybe I'm just like ignorance is bliss, and I'm just like naive to how serious of an issue this is. But um, that doesn't sound like the end of the world to me. Uh, they don't seem concerned about it at all. Casey Mize's quote was this: "Like this kind of stuff happens in rehabilitation processes all the time." And if I was down in Lakeland rehabbing, no one would even hear about it and it wouldn't be news. So like, I'm going to take their word for it. Uh, the velocity is good. It's not like the stuff fell off the table or looked like garbage. Like everybody's talking about how great the fastball looks like I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over it until somebody tells me to, uh, as far as this goes. So that's the latest update. Again, someone's way more medically inclined and is like, Hey, I've literally like done Tommy John before and like did this surgery on Casey Mize himself this is a big deal then like maybe I'll I'll change my tune but for now I never expected him to pitch this year anyways I mean you can go back we if you're an everyday listener you're aware like since April I've been like I I don't know why people are thinking that he's going to pitch this year I don't see it Um, and it was looking like I was going to be wrong there for a second. And people were clamoring like, oh, rehab start in September. Like we'll see, but I think that's pretty much certainly out the window now. So we'll keep an update on it. We'll, we'll see what happens until it gets worse. And it's more than just fatigue after like barely having like really pitched like seriously in the last calendar year. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to just take it as fatigue and, and we're going to take it with a grain of salt. Now let's get into the ball games. Reese Olsen was great. All three starters were great. Uh, Tarek Skubal on Sunday goes seven innings, two runs against. Erod had a solid outing on Friday. And then Reese Olsen, the story of the weekend as far as starting pitchers go, uh, with seven innings of shutout ball on Saturday. Obviously, we have to take into consideration the White Sox are an absolute train wreck by, right, right now, uh, but I don't really care. I, I'm going to absolutely sing the praises of all of these guys. Uh, Erod was really just command-based, not too much else to say about it. Uh, his cutter has been losing command lately. I think he got it back in this game. If it's for a start, we'll see. Uh, but uh, important month for him and his, uh, and his paycheck here at the end of the year. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I was very impressed by the command. It's just, uh, when he's, when he's on, he's very tough to hit. And, uh, when his variations of fastball, the sinker, four seam cutter, when those three pitches are located, well, he's almost impossible to square up and hit hard. And uh, I think this was kind of the textbook definition of that. So great for him. Tarek Scoopel on Sunday. Uh, you know, I thought early on he was kind of nibbling and, and was not very efficient and then after the second inning, maybe after like the first time through the lineup, he just locked in. And, and like, he to go going seven innings, sub hundred pitches. If you would have told me in July when he was making his major league debut and, and we weren't letting him go past like the fourth inning, that in September of 2023, he was going to have outings in which he would go seven innings with under a hundred pitches and, and still have good strikeout numbers. I, I would have kissed you on the forehead and crying a little bit like, you know, like that's that, that this is great. This is great to see, you know, how quickly we forget a month and a half ago, this guy was, was barely pitching. So fantastic sign to see him. If he can keep doing this the end of the year, we can really go into next spring with like the utmost confidence that this dude's going to be hundred percent on opening day for the first time, maybe in his major league career. And that would be awesome. So I'm hoping for a really good solid September out of him, and then Reese Olsen, man, like I said, fantastic. Only one strikeout, uh, but no runs, no walks. Just pounding the zone, which is, is uh, I love, that's like one of my favorite traits in a starting pitcher. That's why I love Erod so much. Uh, I, I, if you just throw the ball in the zone, I can handle you getting rocked sometimes because you're making the other team at least earn it. What I can't stand is honestly what the White Sox did all weekend, not to, you know, salt in the wound, but like, I mean, my goodness, on Sunday especially, they just, I mean, they could not find the strike zone with a map. It was really remarkable. Um, So he just threw the ball in the zone a lot. We've talked a lot about his fastball. The slider is always going to be a swing and miss pitch, or or it's going to be a strike-getting pitch at a minimum. Uh, The CSW percentage on the slider in this game, well over 33%. He he was great, okay? The the slider continues to be a plus major league level pitch, and that's going to remain, and that's awesome. That raises his floor. The big thing is how good of his fastball will his fastball ever be? How good is that? And I felt like in this outing, we kind of saw like, okay, I I know I can't get swings and misses with this thing. Let's see if we can get ground balls with it. And he did. Uh, He had a lot of different variations of his four seam fastball and the sinker. And between those two pitches, those took up a majority of his repertoire in this one. He threw more sports-seam fastball than any other pitch, and he threw uh, sinkers, I think was the third or fourth most thrown pitch in uh, of his five pitches in this outing. So I was very, very pleased with what I saw. Uh, I was very impressed with how he utilized the fastball. And if he's never going to be able to get swings and misses with it, which like I'm not saying he will or won't, but if he won't, then if he can make it a ground ball pitch, you're talking about a guy, again, raising the floor guy that can be a pretty solid major league pitcher. I, I have been blown away. We'll talk about this more when we do like player, you know, deep dive recaps in the off season. But like, I cannot express how unbelievably impressed I have been with Reese Olsen this season. The ERA isn't like two, right? It's like four and a half, even after this seven innings of shutout ball. But like, I was worried when he got called up. He had like an eight or nine ERA and his fastball I thought was terrible at the AAA level. Um, but, I mean, Feder, Nieves, and Lund, we sing their praises all the time. They've done great work with him, and he's taken massive strides forwards. Obviously, he's the pitcher. He deserves all the credit. It's just it's, – it's, it's so impressive what he has been able to do, and um, I, I really have been very impressed. So let's talk about the offense. We'll do that right after I tell you all about our friends. Over at Sleeper, the MLB playoffs are right around the corner. Do you see the NL wild card race? Oh, my goodness. That is the definition of electric September baseball. I can't wait for the Tigers to be back in September baseball, but, like, oh, there's nothing like it. Like, it's it's playoffs before playoffs. There's so many games in a row that matter so much. There's, like, four, five NL teams that are all within, like, half a game of each other. Oh, I cannot wait for this month. Um, and with that also means that the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Ronda Cunha Jr., Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani. Pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to one, a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you could win big. I've been using Sleeper as my like main fantasy app for years now, and now that they're in the daily fantasy game, it's just been a seamless transition for me, and the app is fantastic. They are awesome they have flown up the charts of, you know, like most used sports app out there, really in the entire country. And uh, I highly recommend it. And again, the Daily Fantasy thing is awesome. It's super easy. It's very fun. And they are like slowly becoming one of the best in the business at it. So use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment, Locked On Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about the offense. So um, really as a whole, I mean, Saturday was one of those games. We We have a saying on the show, like some days as an analyst, they're too bad to really give analysis on. We lose by 15. What is there to really say, right? There is instances. And, you know, we haven't had too many of these in the last seven or eight years because it's the Tigers. But there are instances in which the other way is true, too. You win 10 to nothing. There's not too much analysis there. Everybody showed up. Everybody was solid. The pitching, the hitting, the timely hitting, the the, the power hitting. Everybody was there. We'll talk about Mickey at the end of the show, but like that's one where there's not much analysis. The other two was same story, different day. They were able to get over the hump with good pitching and a couple of timely homers. And besides that, they were dreadful with runners in scoring position on Sunday. They went one for 13 with runners in scoring position as a team. One for 13. One for 13. I might title that this episode. One for 13. That is horrific. That is, oh my goodness, disgusting projectile vomit. Like that. that is awful. And that has been one of, not the biggest, well maybe the biggest depending on who you ask, One of their many Achilles heels throughout the season. Okay, I guess that's not really an Achilles heel then. But, like, you you get my point. That is one of their many flaws uh, that this offense has had this year. And, like, in August, since the beginning of August, I should say, now that we're in September, they have been able to overcome that in some games by having just a couple of homers. And that's what Sunday was. Spencer Torgelson with the go-ahead homer, awesome. I mean, some confidence shown there. Young man, I like it. All right. I, I like it. The, the yell after the home run. I I, I love it. All right. Um, he had a great day on Saturday, obviously, as well with three hits. Just a great overall weekend for Torque. Um, would just love for him not to go through a cold spell the rest of the year. What is that? One, two. That's We have exactly four weeks left if you're counting Sunday. OK, if you're counting from Sunday. Just have a nice, solid – I don't need you to go supernova and have a, you know, 1,500 OPS the last four weeks. But, like, if we can just not slump the rest of the year, I think that that would go a long way. And he's at 25 homers now. You're talking about a guy who, like, thirties within reach. If he has a 30-home run season, the first 30-home run season for the Tigers since, like, 2016, if he puts up a 30-bomb season with an OPS over, like, 750 or 760 – in his first full season. I mean, last year, I guess, was technically a full season. He made the opening day roster, but, like, he got sent down, and he just really struggled. I guess his second full season. Sure, whatever. In his second full season, if he does that, I think that's huge grounds to build on. So nice to see him stay hot. But, yeah, the biggest thing with the offense is just they they did enough this weekend. I'm not trying to, you know, pour cold water over everybody, but, like, the problems are still there. Um, let's talk about Parker Meadows just really quickly – um, I want to see him higher in the lineup. He's been walking a lot and that's very impressive. That's awesome. Um, uh, he's still striking out at a pretty solidly high clip, uh, but that was always kind of to be expected. We talked about that on this show when he got called up, um, but he's been walking a lot uh, like at, at a very, And he walked, you know, decently in the minors, but like he, he's been walking on a really nice clip so far. So uh, I would like to see him get more of an opportunity when he's putting the ball in play, he's doing damage. He's wreaking havoc on the base paths. And because he's walking and working counts, like, are we really earmarking, like, leadoff spots for, um, for um like, Zach McKinstry? AQ Badu, like, fine. If you really want to keep getting him work at leadoff spot, I can kind of understand that one a little bit more. He draws walks, too. But, like, are we really, like, we need Zach McKinstry to be the leadoff hitter still sometimes? I, I don't know. I, I think most nights, you know, if he's around that six or seven spot in the lineup, that's fine. Uh, I, I'm not, like, demanding, like, this has to happen or or else. But I I would like to see him get a few opportunities as a leadoff hitter. I, I would like to, you know, as a table setter. Just having that speed at the top of your lineup, if he can just be an average OBP guy, I think could be lethal and very, very valuable for this team. And September's all for development and growth. So why not give him a little bit of an opportunity there? Um, Andre Lipsius, awesome moment. How can, you be, how can you not be romantic about baseball type of stuff? Uh, first hit is a home run. The family's in attendance. His brother is a character, man. That guy grabbed the mic and just ran away with it. Uh, give him a broadcasting job somewhere. Uh, he, he knew what he was doing with the microphone in his hand. I absolutely love it. Uh, but seeing his brother and his whole family's reaction to the homer is nice. Just a, a hanging, breaking ball, man. That he just deposited almost 400 feet, just under. I think it was like 390. Might have been 399. Just under 400 feet to left center field in Chicago, Uh, just, just awesome. Really awesome. Uh, the one thing I would like to see him play more, uh, and like, I'm not like anointing him as the third baseman of the future. I think he's got a lot to prove. We've talked about, uh, what he needs to work on still. We talked about that when he got called up at the end of uh, last week. But, um, when you look at this roster again, September, when you're out of it is for development. That's why September call-ups exist. That's why Jason Dominguez is getting abs for the Yankees. Like the Yankees are putting all their top prospects in the majors. Like that—that's what this is for. And like I, I just—you should give the most reps at third the rest of the year to the player who has the highest percent chance of playing third base for the Detroit Tigers next season on the major league roster. Okay. Now, Cole Keith and Justin Henry Malloy are not on the Major League roster right now, so we can't include them. So of what's on the roster, the only two people that even have an above 1% chance are Andre Lipsius and Matt Veerling. I don't think either of them are high. But if like if you're just talking, you know, they, there's a highest to everything, right? Like <laughs> you'll be a low number and still be the highest on the team. Could be a one percent chance for all i care it's gonna be the highest on the team so like why are we he didn't play two of the three games in this series like i just don't understand i or he didn't start two of the three games i should say i just don't understand i, I would like to see like let him play you called him up for a reason what I, I i don't know I, I i would like to see i would like to see him play third you, you called him up like let's actually utilize it if, if he wasn't going to play you should have just left him in toledo so they at least wasn't getting benched all the time. Um, then as far as, where do we want to end? Well, we want to end on Miggy. 40-man roster spot is open. That's what we'll talk about now. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways you could go with this. I would make it Justin Henry Malloy and I would do it tomorrow. And it would be very easy. I'd do it today as you're listening to this. It'd be very easy decision for me. Um, I, I know that like some people are on the aisle where they side with Harris. Some people are adamantly against Harris to where, how he's handled Justin Henry Malloy. Uh, my thing is he's hit a Homer in four straight games and has an OBP on the season in like the mid four hundreds, it's like four thirty something I want to say like I, to, to insinuate that he has anything left to prove at the triple a level at the plate, I think is preposterous. So we can just throw that out the window. Okay. Now, The defense is what Scott Harris keeps citing. I refuse to believe, and again, if you disagree with me, that's fine. We can have differing opinions. But in my brain, I refuse to believe that one month of more defense in AAA is going to benefit Justin Henry Malloy so much that long-term, he will be a better defender because of it, as opposed to him playing the same positions defensively at the major league level in the month of September. I don't, I, I, that does not compute to me. I understand that the minors are for player development. I, I, I understand. Okay. I understand how player development, you know, works and everybody's differing, you know, opinions and theories on it. I get it. Um, but I, I just one month in September for purely defensive reasons, does not make sense to me. He can work on his defense at the major league level. I promise it's possible. It should happen. We should have an organization where players continue to get better once they make the majors and don't just make the majors and then stop their development. I I, I just, I find it hard to believe that this one month is going to substantially alter the future of Justin Henry Malloy, the defender, and like his career path. I I, I just, it, it really does not make sense to me. So that's what I would do with the open 40-man roster spot. And then I would obviously, if you're going to put him on the 40-man, you call him up to the majors. There's no reason to put him on the 40 if you're not going to do that. Um, and again, there's a lot of players you could very easily send down to Toledo there's a lot of players you could very easily send down to Toledo. That's not a difficult conversation. I promise there's room for Malloy. I promise. Okay. Um, Colt Keith, every single day that goes by become more, honestly, not even every single day at this point, I just am convinced he's not going to play major league baseball this year. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I think we're going to see him uh, in Detroit next season. I disagree with that, but that's what I think is going to happen. Um, so that's what I would do, and then, like, uh, again, if Winfield Perez he had an injury, uh, I'm not sure how serious it is. I would love to see him up here as well. Like, there's plenty of players who are, again, like that in that 4a range that you could very easily send down and make room to give opportunity to some of these kids. Um, so that's what I would do now. I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, we've seen this movie before. Uh, <laughs> There's a very real chance that it's just some reliever on waivers from, you know, uh, pick a city. Uh, let's just try to predict the future here. Let's go with, uh, mm, geez, Oakland. Sure. The A's put some reliever on waivers and the Tigers think they can have a chance at him and they're, he's going to be on the 40 man for five days and then he's going to get DFA'd and we're just going to go through this again. There's a very real chance that that happens because, Scott Harris has proven that that's kind of been his M.O. this year. But uh, just for the record, there is, in fact, an open 40-man roster spot right now. And you very much could put Malloy on it. So we'll see what happens, okay? In the meantime, keep playing Andre Lipsius because why else is he here? Let's end with talking about Miguel Cabrera. The big fella had a fantastic game on Saturday. Four hits for Miggy, his first four-hit game in a couple of years. It's just, it's so incredible. That really is the word. He is, he is, he's an an incredible talent. Uh, One of the most just, on a pure talent basis, one of the most gifted hitters in the history of this planet. And let's find out what his numbers are this year. He's been hitting over 300 since the end of May. Like that's not a small sample size. And for him to just continue – he's got a 257 average and a 671 OPS. That's well below a league average hitter still, right? And he has no power. He doesn't really draw walks anymore. Um, but I'll be darned if he's still not racking up singles. And he's got a little bit of more, like, you know, he got a couple of doubles lately. He's in a little bit more pop, the ball driven a little bit more. I'm not even sure he's going to hit a home run ever again. But, like, it's just – Awesome to see. And we're in the last month of Miguel Cabrera. I'll, I'll reiterate this point in the off season when we dedicate you know like substantial time after he retires. Maybe even a whole episode we'll see what happens um, to Miguel Cabrera after he retires. Um, but the last time, I'm in my mid20s, okay, the last time that Miguel Cabrera was not on my baseball team. I was in like fourth grade. I was nine when the trade happened, nine or 10. When the trade happened, I was in elementary school. The last time Miguel Cabrera was not on my baseball team. That's a whole generation of memories that this man has provided to an entire city. So um, just really cool. I I hope he goes on fire. I hope he pulls an Albert Pujols. And I I don't think it's possible as far as the home runs go, but uh, I would love to see him just get, you know, two for four every night from here on out, just rack up the hits, have a cool, maybe, you know, like a walk-off single or something left. Just give us as many more of those moments as we can, because very quickly here in weeks, no longer months away in weeks, Miguel Cabrera is going to, going to, going to go. And it is the right time. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like beg for another year. Like it, it's the right time. This, this is the end of the road and it should be. Um, But with nothing else to play for, as far as wins and losses go, he becomes the main event pretty much every single night out there. And, uh, and I hope he gives us a few more moments. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh shout out to the Everydayers that do tune in every day. I think we'll be back tomorrow. There's a chance that like that would be Labor Day for me, uh, right? Because I record these the, the, the day before, so there's a chance that uh, we we won't. But uh, if we if we have enough news and notes to kind of go over for a show tomorrow, we'll try to get one out. If not, I'll post about it too. You you won't be blindsided by no episode um yeah i'll see y'all then baby peace and love going to therapy's dope and uh i'll catch y'all later go tigers